along that journey a few years in, I realized that there's a difference between internet marketers, right? And I was one versus people who are building this really cool, amazing business that's going to change the world. And if you want to play with the big boys and girls, you're going to have to take it up a few notches. Are you ready to experience your best year yet? We are in the final month of 2017, and that means that it is the perfect time to start getting proactive and deliberate about what you want to create for your business in 2018. That's why I've created the 2018 Success Kit. It's a practical guide to set you up for your best year yet. The 2018 Success Kit includes seven simple steps that will help you get clear on what is possible for you in 2018. It's gonna give you seven videos for seven days that give you a deeper understanding of each step. They're super quick and will inspire you to take action. I'm going to be giving you my number one strategy, which is step number seven, for making ideas turn into results. And lastly, you're going to get a free downloadable guide that allows you to walk through each of these steps and write your answers in right there. And guess what? It's totally free. Just go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 2018 success kit and get access to it for free today. It took me all of three seconds to get a total girl crush on Monica Liddell. And when you listen to our very impassioned conversation today about why personal branding is so important to getting the business results that you want, you'll most likely have a girl crush too. Monica is the president of Truth Hacking, an unconventional branding and sales positioning company. She's helped her clients bring in over $10 million in revenue, and it'll be no surprise as to why once you've listened. During this interview, Monica talks about why personal branding is so much deeper and intimate than your logo, the colors you use, and even the words you use to describe yourself. Once you do this work, Monica says, and I agree, it puts you in a bubble where no one else can touch you. There's no such thing as competition. But where do you start? Monica talks you through some practical questions to ask yourself that will uncover answers to help you tweak your own personal brand. And in her opinion, once you make those small turns on the dial, then all the tools that you have at your fingertips, your emails, your copywriting, your live streams, your funnels, they reveal how they should be puzzled together to create the results you want. So without further ado, here is Monica Liddell. Monica, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor and a privilege. I'm so excited that you're here. So I have to tell this story is that, and I had told Monica this in her pre-chat, I don't often 
always sift through all the pitches that I get for the show. Sometimes I'm totally bogged down in email and I just, I'm like, oh, I don't have the time for this right now. And it stays like as an open email. And I just, I say that I'm going to look at it and then a year passes basically. So it's rare actually, because most of the time for my podcast, I am proactively thinking about what information I want based on what my community members are asking for and all that sort of stuff. So I tend to be the hunter for the content here. Your pitch, however, it was different. And so I want to shout out this to you listening that if you're going to pitch a podcast, perhaps take a note from Monica, who literally just, it was just so personal. And like you had listened to a few of my shows, you were talking about how those impacted you, what really great ideas you got. And it wasn't just like a one-liner, like I could tell you copied and pasted a template type of a thing. And then it was just really cool. And it ended up being just like, hey, no matter what, like, I think we could riff really well. Like, let's see what we could do. And I'd love to help out. So that's why you're here, my dear. And it's no wonder because one of the many superpowers that you have is copywriting. And that was very evident in that email. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm here today because what you do with Truth Hacking, with Mommy Breadwinner, what you do as a businesswoman is pretty darn big. And I think the information that you have and the experience that you have can be directly relatable to literally every single businesswoman right now growing her business. And so we're going to get into a little specifics about how do you find your tribe and answering some of those questions. But I wanted to start off by you giving a little bit of a background as to who you are and how this whole thing came about. Well, how did this whole thing come about? Okay, so fate and serendipity are two amazing things, aren't they? So it never makes sense looking forward. It always makes sense looking backward. And I didn't invent that. A famous philosopher named Kierkegaard did. And my dad just happens to have one of the largest Kierkegaard libraries on the whole planet, which is another for another day. But I had a mentor and he said, this is what I'm going to mentor you on. And it didn't make any sense to me. I didn't have any interest in doing it. It wasn't about branding. It wasn't sales copywriting. But as I moved up in his company and he ended up hiring me, that's another amazing story. I think everybody should get a mentor. But anyway, he said, I'm going to do this. This is the way it's going to be if I'm going to mentor you. And I said, fine, because I really wanted him to mentor me. But I came kicking and screaming. But I was in my early 20s. And so I got so lucky that I said yes right? Even though I didn't want to, I just said yes. Part of it was sheer desperation. And then I started picking out these other tools like email and copywriting and SEO and funnel. And and then I learned, oh my gosh, these are all amazing tools for communicating to my tribe. And then it gets really nerdy, like getting conversions, getting sales, getting them to do what I want them to do. And so along that journey, a few years in, I realized that there's a difference between internet marketers, right? And I was one versus people who are building this really cool, amazing business that's going to change the world. And if you want to play with the big boys and girls, you're going to have to take it up a few notches. And it wasn't about doing better ads. At that point, we didn't have Facebook ads, but there was Google. It wasn't about a better Facebook ad. Everything will underperform if your brand is off. And so as a high-level strategist, I went, ah, I got to fix that first. And when we can fix the brand and your position in the marketplace, which is sales, then things start to fly. And they happen and can happen so much easier, much more organically. You see lead ad spend drop, not necessarily ad spend, but the cost per lead will just plummet when you get some of these things right. It's amazing. 
Okay, so you got to go into that in a little bit more specific detail because we're talking personal branding and the brand, like who you are in the marketplace. Yeah. This is a giant conversation, but just let's tiptoe into it a little bit. What does that mean? I mean, that's everything from are you speaking the way that you really would authentically? Are you representing yourself in a way that is congruent across all these different platforms? It's giant. So yeah, and that's all later stuff. Right. And I feel like that's where most experts, quote unquote, they try to steer people in that or they say branding and really what they're talking about is brand building, aka marketing, right? That's what that is. Brand building is marketing, okay? But where does brand start, right? And so then you get people who are like, it starts with your logo. It starts with your website. I'm like, oh my God, no, it doesn't. It starts way, way, way before that. That's the visual interpretation of your brand. So what really is your brand? Well, if you're a personal brand, it's you and your unique gifts that you have out in the marketplace. And it's not something simple like, my purpose on the planet is to help people have breakthroughs. Like that shit just doesn't work. That might be an end game. That might be a result, but it's something deeper and more unique. So my philosophy on brand is only you can have that one brand. Nobody else can have that brand. You may also get results that another human being can get a client, right? But only you have that unique brand. And we sure as hell better figure out what that is. Because when you do, you enter into this golden space. Nobody else can touch it. It's completely untouchable. And that's where we start to see people be able to build platforms that you can take national and global. Nobody else can touch it. So what kind of questions can somebody, generally speaking, the vast majority of the women who are listening right now are in business already. They are, sometimes they're a year into it. Sometimes they're 30 years into it. So many of them are probably thinking, well, I know my brand. I know my business is called this. I want you to give us a couple of questions that we can all ask ourselves, no matter where we think our personal brand actually is. What are some questions we can ask ourselves that might help us put some tweaks on that or get a little deeper to at least realize like, oh, I really need to do a little bit more work here. Right. Well, I think first I want to say to anybody that's just out there and you just did the very best you could, we all had to start somewhere, right? I mean, you you have to go out there. People don't have all of these dollars to invest in people like me to figure this process out. In the beginning, some do. I get those clients. Don't get me wrong. They're like, yeah, I just sold a company and I'm just going to hang out while you do this. And then I'm going to go sailing. This happens to me frequently. I'm going to go sailing or I'm going to travel the world and we'll just have these meetings. We'll figure it out. Okay. I'm like, yeah, great. Okay. That's not how I started, right? You just like got to hit the market and you're like, ah, I'm kind of naked out here and I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So props to you for just going out there, being an entrepreneur and saying, you know what? I want a different life and this is going to be badass no matter what. Now, as you start to grow and you hit that mm, one year mark where you're like, oh, I've passed the point of most businesses fail or the five year mark or you're edging up towards 10 and I've passed all those, which is great. So I'm like, Whew, maybe this means I've, I've passed all of those. Like where's the next any cornerstone. But anyway, once you pass that, you start to evaluate things and you go, it's about performance. How can I perform better? It's about sales because hello, why are we in business? I never doubt impact. I'm not going to doubt that for your audience. I don't doubt impact because why the hell else would you be in business? If you're not doing something cool or good on the planet, you're not going to survive anyway. So I don't tend to make this a big impact story because I already know you're making an impact. It's a requirement that 100% of my clients are making an impact on the planet or they don't even become my clients. So we already know that. So then you start to look at your unique gifts. 
I would look at your competitors and say, so what are they doing? Now, what am I doing? And how are we different? And you have to really start fleshing out pages of a storybook. So in the beginning, it's like you've got the title of the book and you're looking at the cover. That's what your market is doing. They grabbed your book off the bookshelf, some of them quite literally, but they grab the book and they're looking at it and they're like, man, that's a cool title. And then they open it up and there's nothing there. Or they've only got like three pages on the book. You don't want three pages on the book. You need hundreds of pages on your book right? And so when you're able to bring that whole thing together, and by the way, the hundred pages you don't start out with, you grow into that over time and you start layering the brand, right? Some people come to me and they need an entirely new brand. What they're doing is, isn't performing, isn't going to work. And it was never them anyway. Some people just need to extend where they're at. And so you need like a brand extension. That's the term I use. If you're looking at it and you're kind of evaluating what do I need? Do I need a new brand? You probably know. If you don't know, get that checked out too. If you've got something and it's established, but you're like, I've really grown as a human being. I've really grown in my marketplace or I'm really looking to compete in other markets because you're online and the world starts to get super duper small. And yeah. have you noticed that? Oh yeah. Oh you're yeah. Like, you know, so-and-so, I know so-and-so, yeah. so-and-so is a, right. Okay. So you look at your competitors and you go, what are they doing? What am I doing? Where's the same? What's the same. And then I want you to start making it not same. So really using that as a jumping off point to say, where can I be different? But also not for the sake of being different, but for the sake of saying, this is where I can really accentuate my gifts. Yeah, This is where I can really lean into, this is what I do really well and, and how I show up really in a unique way. And then just keep on leaning into that, recognizing that that does differentiate you. Yeah. Here's a really good example for Mommy Breadwinner. Okay. So this is a site I have and it's kind of a passion project more or less that I'm getting ready to gear up, but it's been a passion project for like five years. Why? Because truth hacking is my bread and butter. That's why it pays the bills, right? But my breadwinner is like, you know, I get some clients occasionally. I just haven't had a lot of time for them, but now I've got the other business up and running the way I want. And so this is a common thing for a lot of women, right? So if you're looking, here's just a perfect example. What do I do? I teach women sales. That's one way of saying it. Or like there are other women that teach people sales. A watered down version of that would be, I empower women to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, gag me, right? Like there's a lot of that already happening. So if you're literally constructing it, take out a piece of paper, write it down and ask yourself who else is saying that? Because we don't need that watered down version. I'm going to give you what I really do in a second. But let me tell you the impact psychologically that that has in the marketplace. So we only have an attention span of a few seconds. So I hear you and then I hear Kim and then I hear Jesse and then I hear Alex and they're all saying the same thing. And so I just tune out. Yep. Or this gets bad for my clients. I just do not allow this to happen. You have people who are like, I want to raise my prices to what I'm worth. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And you should, but we sure as hell better tell the marketplace what you're worth and why, right? Because you can't just go out there and be like jerking up your prices and be like, yeah, now I'm worth this. La, la, la. That's really ego-like. You got to back that up with something. Tell me, convince me, show me. If you can't do that and you're not bringing that value, then we're not ready to charge that. So you got to have the whole shebang there in order to make those sales happen. You can't just jerk up your prices and be like, well, and I'm not talking about a couple hundred dollars. You could do that. I'm talking about what people really want to do, which is they're like, I charge 3000 but I really want to charge 15000 How do I do that? I know how to do that because I've sold $100,000 coaching programs. You want to coach with my client? It's $100,000. How do you even go about doing something like that? The marketplace has to see the value there. They do. And guess what? They don't even have to know you. 
you don't have to be like this huge known commodity and human being and brand. And you don't even have to have that. You don't have to have that, but you do have to be able to show the value. Right. And so you can't have this watered down. I empower people to blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, we need to go a little bit deeper than that. So then you start to write who else is saying that look at it and compare. What I really do, like if you go back to the example of Mommy Breadwinner, is I teach women the art of intuitive selling. I make it so easy for you. It's intuitive. We lean into those intuitive gifts that only women have and men don't. They don't really have them like we have them. They just don't. I'm not bashing men. I have a lot of them as clients. I'm married to one, but they don't have it like we have it. So I teach women how to get in there and use their greatest gifts to court a sale. And what they've been done is they've been taught by men who know how to like sell cars and stuff like that and close deals and blah, blah, blah. I do know how to do that, but we don't need to do that. So you've got to start layering it and looking at what am I doing? How am I like other people? And then start deconstructing all of that. I love that you're going through this because a huge, huge, I'm not going to call it a complaint, but a very common thing that I hear amongst my listeners, amongst my community members is this idea of competition. There's so many other people doing exactly what I'm doing or why should I do this? Because she's doing that too. And I'm constantly sort of saying that lesson of like, but there's only one you. But it does require more than just a conceptual understanding of that. Like you're talking about literally like asking yourself, and this is such a practical thing to do, write down who else does that write down how they do it, what they do versus how you do it, what you do, and really accentuating all of that sort of stuff. And the great thing is, and you know, one thing that I'll always come back with is in the online world, especially the consumers will hop. Yes, you have your loyalists who will only ever find and buy what you have. But most people who are buying online business products and services are like buying them according to when their needs need what, right? And so that's awesome that you are a personal brand in that space and you happen to offer this, which is exactly what they want now. But fast forward six months and somebody else is offering something that's not necessarily in your wheelhouse, but that's what they need now. It doesn't mean that you need to shift and now offer that because you need to stay true to what is best for you and what your core competencies are constantly evolving. But that's the whole point is like, you're not in competition for the people themselves. You're not in competition anywhere. You show up, you do your best job with servicing the way that is truly coming from the core of who you are and how you want to do that. And that's how you attract the people for those particular things. So there's just so much abundance there. And that's just like another layer of like, of why not to be in this space of I can't do it because she's already doing it. Everyone else is already doing it. Right. I mean, you hear that. Well, they do social media. I'm a social media manager. I'm a life coach. Cool. How do you do it differently? What makes you different? If you coach, that's awesome. The world needs more coaches. I don't think we have enough. And I definitely don't think we have enough great coaches. We may have some good coaches, but what makes you great? And if you don't have something, here's a hard lesson. If you don't have something different to bring to market, why are you bringing it to market? So you don't have to even get so hung up on what makes me different. Ah, what's my purpose, right? Just start. And as you start to pull this baby apart, you can start to lean into those differences and then amplify it. I tell clients, it's like, I'm looking for the dials inside of you, those volume dials, and I'm going to turn this knob up and I'm going to turn that knob down. And it's probably counterintuitive to what they think they should be doing. Mm, That's really interesting. Well, so this has us going even deeper into doing this work helps create the results of 
building a tribe and building a really great tribe. And especially in this day and age where we have the privilege of and this opportunity called being online, where you can build your tribe globally by having a laptop in front of you and sometimes even just your phone in front of you, there's a lot of space there. So one of the things that I really love, I'm I'm not remembering the author of the book, but it's basically like getting sort of your Spartan 300. It's sort of like you don't need to own the world of the millions and millions and millions of people in order to be quote unquote successful. You can have an impact with a good solid tribe of a thousand, you know what I mean? And like really do some deep work there. So talk a little bit about how doing these tweaks, these moving of the buttons and moving of the nodules like really help you turn around and be able to attract the right people to you. Well, what happens is you become almost instantly attractive. So it shortens the time frame when you turn up the right dials and you turn down the other dials. So it's like we would never have you go out there and just dye your hair blue for the sake of dyeing your hair blue or put you in a tulle ballerina skirt just for you know the hell of it. No, but a woman that I had as a client who was professionally trained in ballet for all those years. And that story is what she took in to be mentored by John Maxwell. Hell yeah, we're going to put her in a tool ballerina skirt for her photo shoot in her late 40s, right? Okay, so it's those kinds of things that start to draw the attention of the marketplace and they go, "Mm, I don't think I've seen that. Or they go, I don't think I've seen that in that way. And so it's that small, subtle shift. You think you have to go out there oftentimes and do something completely, entirely ridiculous. You don't. It's the subtle shifts and people start to pay attention. And it only takes a couple seconds for people to start paying attention. Whoa, that's cool. And then they want more and then they want more and then they want more. And now here's where all your strategy comes in. You need to know how to court them. You've got to know about courtship. Now you can bring in all your cool tools and your Facebook lives and your this and your that, right? And you court them and you start to really bring them home. I say, you've got people out there in the world and they don't feel like they have a home. Be their home. Right. And this is where you start getting... And once again, I want to lay this foundation is that it is one step at a time kind of a thing. Like you can't show up tomorrow and expect that this is all going to be beautifully made for you and you're going to do it perfectly. But it is one step at a time in recognizing it. Once you get into that space of now, okay, now let's use these tools to do this courtship, to create some funnels, to get them to actually like step up the marketing game, like be able to be savvy with some of this stuff. It does take a really high level of consciousness to see where you play into all of that. Because you can tweak around with the tools. You can tweak around with, let me try this funnel over here. Let me try this free download over here. Let me try this group over here. Like, And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But I love what you're saying about coming to it from the personal branding standpoint, because from the inside out, then you start seeing what the puzzle should look like from the get-go. You should understand that there's nobody like you on the planet. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, I got my own unique DNA. But it's like, do you really know that? Because if you really knew that, if you were really in tune to what that meant for you, then you could use that to skyrocket your success. Because nobody else has that. Nobody else has those special, unique gifts, not like you do. So you have to first make that assumption, like hardcore make that assumption. You have to believe that inside of yourself and then start to plan it out, start to write it out and then lean in. So you use Facebook Live, but you lean into something. I had a client who was a a real estate mogul in Austin. I don't argue often with my clients, but I have to go head to head with them, right? I mean, these are a lot of them are incredibly successful people. They're like, no, I'm going to go after this market. And I said, that's not your market. 
they're like, because this is the tribe that she wants to build her third multi-million dollar business on. I said, that's not your market. Yes, it is. It's where I really want to be. And I have this experience and that's my market. I said, that's not your market. That's not where you're going to get your wins. That's not going to, where you're going to get your low hanging fruit. That's not your market. That's not your market. That's just a part of the market. Your larger market is over here. She kind of fought me for like a year. Then she came back and she said, oh, this was my market. I said, I know because that's your history. That's your past. So part of your brand is also your history and your past. Like if you have historically 25 years of playing competitive tennis, I bet you that's a key, a clue to this larger personal brand story. And you go, how does that, that doesn't add up, Monica. Oh yeah, it does. I could do a lot with 25 years of tennis and popping that into your personal brand and having people see that. And it's just that subtle shift and they look and they go, holy cow, there's so much in 25 years of competitive tennis, isn't there? Yep. Lots of lessons, lots of things to be able to convert over into what you're doing in this moment now. Lots of sweat, lots of all of it, lots of cute little outfits we can put you in, lots of all sorts of goodness that can be centered around that, right? So those are things that they get lost, they get forgotten. And you need to also look at your past as clues to your personal brand. Love that. So for everyone who's in business right now, who's listening to this, who's thinking like, oh, the pain point is going to be, I'm not getting enough sales coming in. I want more. So if you're having that pain point, one of the things that you could do is take a look at what you're doing right now, who you are, and go a little deeper. Ask yourself some of these questions and see what else comes up for you. And then practice, like practice getting out there, showing up to your Facebook lives and doing something a little bit differently that's a little bit more in line with this or sharing this story that could possibly be like a new wave of where you're going. And this then will sort of tumble into niching and niching and niching because the more I think, the more clear you are with yourself and what that personal brand does, the clearer it is who is best going to be attracted to you. And that is not the entire world. That is those people who would really identify with the personal brand that you are showing up to be. So I just love that. This is all just really, really practical stuff. I want you to give us an example of how not to do this. Do you have an example of either clients or past clients or just people that you see of how not to do this? If there's any sort of like, please do not do this when you're trying to build personal brand or what have you, trying to build your tribe. Give us one of those stories so that we can see what not to do. Well, I mean, you don't want to duplicate somebody else's brand. I mean, that's like 101. And nobody would go like raise their hand and go, yeah, I totally, my brand is a knockoff. They wouldn't. But oftentimes that's what's done. So researchers learned that we think like 70,000 thoughts a day or something. And 80% of them are thoughts from yesterday. So just like break this down. If you're like geeky like me in psychology, which was what I studied. Okay. If you're geeky like me, break this down. How do I know that my brand is different? How in the world do I know that? That I didn't just see this and thought, yeah, I'm going to put it together. I find so many people are just so insecure in who they are, that that's what shows up in the brand. And that's going to stop sales. That's going to stop you from getting out there to do what you need to do. That's going to stop you from using the right language because you don't really know how to communicate with your audience. You don't even maybe have the right audience. Your audience exists. They're like ravenous. They're like wanting to buy from you right now. And if you can just tweak and make those shifts over and figure out how am I different? What makes me different? How can I communicate that in a different way that's also authentic to only me? You're going to get rapid fire sales. You're going to get rapid fire clicks. You're going to have ads that are, you know, you're spending $3 
dollars a lead go down to forty cents a lead? Yeah, is that is that still possible? Mm-hmm. Does it happen all the time? No, but it can. I just did this with another client where she came to me and she had this amazing story. So that became the central focus of the brand. It was like the slogan, right? And it was cutesy. But when I got on the phone and I started to talk to this woman, I'm like, there's nothing cute about this woman. I don't understand. She just wasn't cute. Like the slogan was super cute, but she's not cute. But she was really dead set on this slogan. I thought, okay, uh, okay. I'm so I'm. You got to construct this like a scientist, right? And so I'm like. Okay. I mean, I can roll with it for a little bit, but I got to convince myself of yes or no and why. So is it the slogan? And she's like, the slogan's going to take over the world. I want the slogan to take over the world. Well, the truth is the slogan is not going to take over the world in that way. So I started to work with her and, and I realized she's edgy. She's raw. She laughs every time I'm on the phone with her, but it's like this genuine, beautiful laugh. There's all this wisdom about her. She's not cutesy. What's up with that? So we had to bring the edge and the rawness into who she was. And so we invented a new brand for her. So she became that brand. And then that slogan is somewhere underneath there. And it makes so much more sense to the marketplace. We didn't ditch it. We didn't totally get rid of it. We just reorganized things. So when you talk to yourself, are you cute? And is that what's showing up? Or are you edgy? And is that what's showing up? You've got to have some sort of consistency because the market's going to notice. When they get on the phone with you or they see that email and they're like, "Mm, I don't get it. They may not be able to pinpoint why, but they sense the inconsistencies and they don't like it because what that causes is distrust. And I always encourage people having done seven-figure launches, don't do some bullshit like, you know what? I've only got three slots left. No, don't do that unless you only have three slots left. There's other ways to create urgency. So you're going to have these brand breakdowns. I would encourage anyone to get gut-wrenchingly honest about your own brand. Talk to other people, right? Ask them what you think you are, what they think that you stand for, what they have, like ask them to describe you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. These are all great tools. And then you start to just make those modifications. You're just going to start seeing this change. Listen, I showed my mom how to do this. My mom, who's not technically savvy, in in like 90 days, she had 4,000 Instagram followers. Hello, people, this works. Wow. I just love this conversation because it's very conceptual, but it's very realistic. There are some practical things that you ladies listening can take away from this, but you'll hear, and I just, I'm going to circle back around to the beginning of this conversation, which is then everything else becomes a tool on how to how to make it work, how to make it move, right? But if you don't have that engine, it ain't going anywhere, no matter how many parts you put on that car. Exactly. You've got like a plane, it's got like a broken wing, and so it can't fly very well, right? <laughs> but the tools are meant to carry your message. They're not meant to be the message. And so we've got the emphasis in the wrong place. You get this thing down right, and you don't have to be perfect, but you start to make changes. Your tools will perform better for you. That's just the way it is because they don't have a heartbeat of their own, but your brand does. Yeah. I love that. Monica, this is such a good place to stop. I feel like you and I could talk probably another couple of hours about this, but thank you so much for sharing about this. This is such a good, raw and very practical conversation. I think that anyone listening can take to make some major tweaks to really get things rolling. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this episode today. I am so grateful that you are here listening. 
If you want to connect with your fellow listeners and start having more and more business conversations so that you can learn all the intricacies you need to learn about growing a business and growing it purposefully and making it grow beyond what you can possibly imagine, go connect with thousands of other business owners in the Biz Women Rock community. We have a private Facebook group that is totally free for you at bizwomenrock.com forward slash group. I look forward to seeing you in there.